let's go ahead and put uh, on the board John 10.10, a 10, uh, key verse, obviously a verse that most of us know, praise the Lord. But John 10.10, 10, and it says in the New King James, is that what you got first? The New King James says, the thief does not come. Now, of course, this is Jesus talking. He said, the thief, now how I many know we don't want the thief? Been talking about this, you know, last week, you know, about, you know, resisting our enemy here. Uh, the thief, you know, tries to sneak in. He's not a welcome in the front door, but he always tries to sneak in, and that's kind of what he was bringing out in this text. And, and he says that, you know, his sheep, you know, know his voice, hear his voice, follow his voice. And if you're doing that, if you're, if you're following the voice of God, guess what? The thief can't come and take. But guess what? He's a conniver, isn't he? So the thief doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he does. Amen. He don't do anything but steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life. How many say, we want that life? Come on now. And that's zoe life. That's the Greek word zoe, which means absolute life or pure life. Amen. It means uh, absent of darkness, absent of the curse, absent of death. So zoe life is absent of all that mess out there. Amen. So how many want the life of God? All right. He says that they may have life and they may have it what? More abundantly. That's great. I mean, more abundantly. I mean, if, if, if zoe life itself wasn't enough, he says, I'm going to give it to you even, even in an abundance. Even more of it, praise God. Now, just for whatever it's worth, the word abundant there means exceedingly beyond or superabundant. It means superior in quality, and literally get this, it means the advantage. Now, in the kingdom, there's no shortcuts, but in the kingdom, there's advantages. Amen. So when we tap Zoe life, amen, we tap the advantages. Amen. How many could use a little more of that? That was so weak. How many could use a little bit more of that? Amen. Now, what we did here on this, uh, we, we took a little time and let's just looked at some of the different translations and how they word it. And uh, so let's go ahead and put uh, some of them up there, Kelly, if you don't mind. Let's put, uh, this is the message translation. Uh, it says, a thief, oh, down here in the bottom here, starting with verse uh, 10, here's what we want. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. He goes on to say, I came, here we go, so they can have, here we go, real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. How many could use a little more of that better life, even more so than you've ever dreamed? Amen. Some of you can dream pretty big. Some of you need to do a little more dreaming. Come on, somebody. But some of you can dream pretty big, and it says here, I'll even do it beyond that. Amen. Now, this real and eternal life, a lot of times when you use the word, uh, the reference eternal life, it just means perpetual, eternal perpetual. Amen. Uh, so it's a perpetual zoe, perpetual life, amen, abundant life, perpetual, amen. So we're talking about an ongoing life. And a lot of times people, when they hear that phrase, they think of, you know, someday when they get to heaven, right? When I get to heaven, I'm going to experience eternal life. No, the word Jesus made it real clear, John 17, he said, this is eternal life. It's knowing the only true God and the one in whom he sent. When you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you got introduced to Mr. Zoe himself. Come on, somebody. Amen. So what you did is you tapped at that moment, amen, you tapped this thing called eternal life. Amen. Now, maybe we haven't experienced it yet to its full. Maybe we've been ignorant to it. Maybe we just didn't know. Nobody told us, man. I mean, I didn't know all this was available. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you came. 
Amen. I'm glad you're watching and listening by the internet right now. Praise God. Why? Because you can have this thing called eternal life. This thing called life. This thing called abundant life. This thing like Paul called it the life of God. Praise God. How many want more of the life of God? All right. Praise. Let's get another one up there. Praise God. What do you got? The Amplified here. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. I like how he says that. You might as well enjoy this thing. Right? I mean, we've said it before, but it just so many Christians look like they've been baptized in lemon juice, man. I mean, they just can't even, you know, it's like they can't even get into this, can't even have fun with this, can't even enjoy this, praise God. God says, I want you to have this life, and I actually want you to enjoy it, praise God. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I like that overflowing stuff. You know, I always think of it, you know, a glass, you know, pouring a glass, and when it gets to the full, it's great. But, man, we're talking overflow. It just starts flowing all over the place. Come on now. I could use a little more of that myself. It may, for more. All right, let's do another one here. What do we got here? The New Living Translation. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose. Remember, he came to destroy the works of the devil, right? He said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's good. I'll take some of that. There's just some different translations. Now, the last one, I think I got the passion, right? Put the passion translation, all right? A thief has only one thing in mind. Now, hang on to that. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow, praise God. Now, that's what we're called to. Now, if we don't contend for this higher life, the enemy slithers in there because he's a thief. Come on, that's what he does. The only, he's only got one thing in mind. He's going to sneak in there. He's going to take what you got if he can. That's what he'll do. So Jesus said, listen, if you don't contend, this is what we've been finding out. If you don't contend for the higher life, he'll sneak in there and convince you or seduce you to accept the lower life. That's what he does. That's why we got Christians all over the place living no different than the world. Because they assume that's the way it's supposed to be. When all along they're called to an abundant life, a higher life. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4. He said, listen, if you don't, if you don't walk like the world, you don't think like the world, if your mind ain't renewed, uh, he says, you, you're going to be alienated from the life of God. Well, what's that mean? Well, it means a non-participant. So even though there's a life of God available, you're a non-participant because you didn't know any different. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting to know some things. Amen. All right. Now, what I did last week, and I'm going to do a little brief uh, review. Amen. The Word says, in Him we live and move and have our being, right? Come on now. So if you want this life, amen, you got to make Him your life. That was kind of our key the last couple weeks. But I brought some things out about our enemy last week, and I'm going to do it real quick. I'm not going to take the time that I did last week, but just to kind of move us into what we have today. The enemy, as we see in this text, is a taker of life, not a giver of life. He takes life. I mean, know that. Amen. First Peter brings out that he's the, uh, the adversary, and he's a devourer, trying to devour who he, whom he may. Look at your neighbor and say, he may not hear. Come on, this is what the enemy does. So he's our, he's our enemy. He's a devourer. He takes life. Uh, it also says in Acts 10, he's an oppressor. Remember, we talked about that. He oppresses. Jesus heals, the devil oppresses. 
Jesus heals everybody who the he'll heal anybody who the enemy oppresses. But you gotta have the, you gotta know the difference. The enemy oppresses, Jesus heals. God is good, devil bad. Right? Jesus heals, the enemy oppresses. Anybody unclear on that? Who's good? Who's bad? Who heals? Who, del- who, who oppresses? All right. You got to settle it. All right. Because if we don't, what happens, we're too busy blaming ourselves or blaming our neighbor or blaming God for things that the devil's doing. And the whole time, all he did was sneak in there and slither in there and got you convinced that somebody else is doing the problem or making the problem here. All right. What else now? We found out he's not only an oppressor. Uh, he is also the father of lies, John 8 tells us. We talked about that. He's the father of lies. There's no truth in him. Now, he might take a truth and, and twist it. You know, remember he did that in the garden? Huh? Remember he even did that with Jesus trying to tempt him, right? He took a little truth and he just kind of twisted it. But see, he's the father of all lies. And, and that's just how he is. And so he'll, he'll, uh, he'll manipulate. The word says he's a deceiver in Revelations 12. It says, it goes on to say uh, that he is, uh, uh, that he is, here we go, an accuser. I mean, oh, he accuses. Word says that he's a, the accuser of the brethren. He used to be welcome to go into the throne and accuse God's people before him, but the word says he's been cast out. He's no longer welcome there. Jesus paid a price, so the enemy's no longer welcome in heaven. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So when you get to heaven, you ain't going to see no sign of him. Thought I'd have a little more energy on that one. Uh, you know, when you get to heaven, guess what? He ain't welcome. Amen. He ain't going to be there. I mean, you're not going to get there and go, oh, I still have to contend with him. No, I ain't going to be there. All right. So he's no longer welcome there. But how many know that he still accuses? He'll accuse uh, you uh, to somebody else. He'll accuse other people to you. Just trying to get division, strife, contention. He's, and he's so good at it. Are you still with me? All right, so he's an accuser. What else does he do? The word says he was a tempter. I think I brought that up just a minute ago. He, uh, we see that in Genesis. We see that also with, in Matthew 4 with Jesus. He comes to, a, to tempt, all right? What else? Um, I, I brought this out last week, too. Uh, he comes to blind the minds of people. 2 Corinthians uh, uh, brings out, amen? Uh, he's the God of this age trying to blind the minds of people. Why? So the gospel doesn't get through. All right, so we we see he does that. Now, the idea of this is not that we're sitting here trying to give our enemy a bunch of, you know, a bunch of uh, time, uh, you know, here in in the message. We're just trying to say, listen, you have to know your enemy. The word says, don't be ignorant of his devices. The word devices literally means head trips, mind games. The wiles of the devil, it says in Ephesians 6. We're not to be ignorant of those things, that manipulation, the maneuvering and and the plotting and the scheming that he does. Put Put the Passion Translation back up there. And it says here, amen, the thief has only one thing in mind. He's out to steal. He's out to kill and destroy. He's out to slaughter. He'll run you over at the bus. And that ain't enough. He'll back over you again and then hit you again if he has to. He ain't never going to be your friend, despite some of the old rock and roll songs. Come on. And the enemy is not uh, like, like Hollywood portrays him. 
You know, he ain't going to show up at the door with a pitchfork and horns and a, some long, you know, slithery tail and just stare at you and say, can I come in? Huh? He ain't going to do that. He slides in. The Word says he can even come as an angel of light. He can literally slide in and make you think it's someone else. Somebody says, well, I don't want that. Right on. Amen. We don't want that. Amen. As we brought out last week, I mean, if some, some guy came up to your house and says, I'd like to come in and take everything you got. I mean, who in their right mind is going to say, oh, okay. Oh, let me show you where all the good stuff is. Nobody's going to do that. You're going you're gonna to say, get your fanny off my property. And if you don't move fast enough, I'll help you. Huh? Now, we, we think naturally speaking, well, yeah, we run the thief out. Exactly. Amen. We got to resist our enemy. Are you still with me? So that's where we were really focused on last week is resisting the enemy. So Jesus said this. Let's do a few verses here, Kelly, and then we'll kick into what we have today. First John 3 and 8, uh, he says that, uh, the, uh, let's see, he who sins is the devil, for the devil has sinned. Uh, is that the right one? From the beginning, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. Why? Why was He manifest? That He might destroy the works of the devil, praise God. Now, I can't remember which verses I gave you, Kelly, but I give you, um, I might have gave you like Revelations. Okay, I gave you, let's see, no, you just did that one. Revelation, well, that's a good one too. Let's look at that. This is what Jesus did, right? Remember, after the, the death, burial, and resurrection, praise God, He said, I am He who lives, I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. This is Jesus talking, right? I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. That's kind of, I think, where we were kind of wrapping some things up last week. Keys. I mean, know he's got keys, right? He's got keys, all right, of Hades and death. One translation of death, hell, and the grave. Praise God. But really what it brings out is Hades is referring to the unseen, talking about darkness of the unseen, all right? Death, talking about deathly situations. I mean, I have the keys that no matter what, now the enemy's trying, I have keys. He can no longer control you. He can no longer dictate your life. He can no longer hold these things over you because I now have the keys. I have the authority. And in the Great Commission, he said, All authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. Amen. Now you go, therefore, and make disciples of all. You go and teach them the things I taught you. And in, in Mark's account, praise God, he said this, Go in my name. I've, been, I've, I've taken all the authority back. Now you go in my name, which is the, the Greek word onama, which means authority. You go in my authority. When you pray in the name of Jesus, what you're doing is you're praying in His authority. Are you with me? So in other words, He took back, and now He's given it to you and me again as believers to stand our ground and resist our enemy. Praise God. In fact, in Matthew's account, He said, uh, I'm going to give you some keys. Keys, praise God, of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That sounds like some authority there, don't it? I said, that sounds like some authority. So we talked about some keys. Amen. 
So what does that mean, keys? Right? I mean, keys unlock things, keys lock things down, you know. It allows you into doorways that maybe a normal person couldn't go in or maybe shuts down doorways that, so that no one else can come in, right? There's things that you bind, things that you loose with keys, praise God. So I want to talk about keys of resistance today. Amen. There are things, there's keys that you've been given. You know, I always remember uh, growing up, you know, and I might have used this as an illustration a while back, but I was just thinking about it. I always thought the janitor of the school was a cool guy. He's the cool guy. You could hear him coming. Even if you were in the class, you could hear him coming down the hallway. Why could you hear him? Keys, man, the keys, man. They're, they're sort of bouncing on his hip, you know, and he's got one that's a you know, Right? I just thought that Janet was the coolest guy on the planet. He's got all the keys. I mean, this guy's all right. You know? I mean, man, he, he, he's got it all. I'm thinking, I was thinking, you know, early on, I want to be a janitor. I want all them keys. Um, you know, I got older, grew up out of that, praise the Lord. But uh, anyway, nothing wrong with janitors. Praise the Lord for that. But I, but I just, I just thought, you know, that, that's, that's cool. This guy's got a, this, this whole honking wad of keys. It's just on a little. And Jesus comes back and he says, hey, I'm alive forevermore and I've got the keys. Right? Come on, I got keys. Amen. Now I'm giving them you, I'm giving you these keys, and you're gonna have to do something with them keys. A lot of people ain't doing nothing with the keys. They go around and let them, you know, bounce on the hip, but they, they just don't they just don't use them. And we gotta use them. All right. So we want to talk about some of these keys, praise God. So we're gonna go in today. We're gonna do uh, James chapter four is where we're gonna start today. All right, I start. We're about halfway into the message, I think. But uh, anyway, somebody says somebody just got nervous right there. Start. <laughs> Amen. All right, James four. Now, how many remember this verse? Verse seven. Therefore, what? Submit to God, resist the devil, and what'll happen? He'll flee from you. Amen. You got to first submit to God. It said, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, you notice it didn't say, go to God to get the devil off your back. A lot of people do that. I would say, God, get the devil off my back. Make him go away. And the whole time, Lauren said, that's your job. Yeah, you got a key. Yeah. So you have to resist him. You know, there's two things. I uh, touched on this just briefly last week, but there's two things that the Lord won't do for you. Even though He's done everything, amen, prepare, paid the price for everything, right? But there's two things in the Word that, that says that He won't do for you, for you, all right? Here's what He won't do for you. He will not receive for you, and He will not resist for you. You have to do the receiving, and you have to do the resisting. Now, he'll help you when you may initiate, amen, receiving, he'll be right there. And when you initiate the resisting, he'll walk you through it. But he will not initiate any of it. Listen, if that was the case, we'd all be saved. We'd all be home by now. Come on, somebody. We wouldn't be on this planet right now. 
if it was all just up to him. Am I right? We'd all be out of here by now. Okay, so uh, now it's his will that none should perish and all come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Amen, that's his will, but not everybody's hooking up with that. I don't know why. It's like, what, what's their problem? I mean, this is like a no-brainer to me. Anybody else with me on that? Yeah. All right, it's a no-brainer. Well, he says here, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So let's take a look at this. This is the first thing here. So it pays to submit, first off, to God, doesn't it? Submit to God. The word submit uh, means literally to be subject unto, to yield to, to be under the obedience of. Uh, it uses a word like uh, ref reflexively, okay, in other words, to be reflected. In other words, however God leads, you're willing to follow. That's what it means, to submit yourself to God, amen. And resist means to stand against, to oppose, to withstand, to, uh, to counter, and it also uses the word endurance in the sense of to remain constant no matter what's going on, all right? Now, the word flee, which we all like the devil to flee, Okay, the word flee is kind of a fun word in a sense because it means literally to flee in stark terror. So if we will first submit ourselves to God, then resist the enemy, the word says he will. Does it, is there a question mark on that? I'm sorry, is there a question mark on that? I don't see no question mark on that. It didn't say he might. It didn't say maybe he will. It says he will. So if we, if we do the submit part right and the resist part right, that means we'll get the promise of that, that the enemy will flee from you. And as we brought out last week, the Word says if you will keep yourself, the evil one, the wicked one, cannot even touch you. Now that's a good promise. So if he's still touching, something's wrong. And how many know it ain't God? Come on now. So somewhere along the line, maybe we're not submitting ourselves to God or somewhere along the line, we're not resisting like we should. So the first and foremost is about submitting, submitting to God. Now, the next verse, please put verse 8 up there. I kind of blew our notes all apart, didn't we, Kelly? Just kind of went out the window, didn't it? All right, so anyway, verse 8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Huh. What do you think? You think that's complicated? It goes on to say cleansing yourself, and it just literally means is, is just start making adjustments. Amen. Bring adjustments in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Purify your heart. You're double-minded. And he's talking about the whole thing is that you start making adjustments. Amen. But it starts. It starts. It starts. He's not asking anybody to cleanse himself, anybody to change anything, anybody to do anything till you first draw near to him. Well, I thought that's what I was doing. Well, what does the word draw near mean? Huh. Well, let's take a look. To draw near refers to approaching God, to access God and acknowledge God. All right? So if you draw near to Him, guess what? He draws near to you. The first key, this whole thing, is submitting God in the sense of drawing near. That's how it starts. So when you first move toward God, so in other words, here we go. We got pressure coming on. We got things going on. What do we do? Well, we call the pastor. 
draw near to Pastor Jerry, and God will draw near to you. Is that what it says? Okay, no. I call my neighbor. Draw near to Aunt Bethel. No, it doesn't say that. Come on. Call the prayer chain. Call, get a hold of Kathy. Kathy, 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 Kathy. Kathy, Kathy. I got the devil on my back. Does it say that? Where does it say? Draw near to God. Now, you all say, listen, now, listen. Do you mean I can't call you? I'd like to say no, but you can't. <laughs> I'd like to say, mm. anyway. Yes, you can call me and you can call Kathy. What's your number, Kathy? No. No, no, no. Listen, listen. The first thing ought to be draw near to God. Amen. Approach God. Amen. Go before God. Remember, remember, you got to start, you got to initiate it. And you got to move toward God. And if you move toward God, God, first by submitting yourselves to God, amen, God can begin to talk to you about things. God can begin to lead you on things. God could show you what you need to do. There's all kinds of things and ways that we oppose our enemy. And if you just try to go after him and bind this and bind that and say this and say that and, 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 and in his name and by the blood and, and you're just speaking all kinds of things and, and you notice the enemy, just, he's just kind of sitting back laughing at you. And all these are ways, but God, first and foremost, knows exactly what you're up against, knows how the enemy snuck in, knows what needs to happen, and he'll lead you in all of it. And so first it starts with drawing near to access God, amen, to draw near and submit yourself to him, and then you turn, and with whatever leading you get, you start resisting your enemy. I've seen a lot of people... Do a lot of things that, you know, it seems right. I mean, they got a verse for it, and that's all good. That's, it's a good thing. It's, it's a good promise. But God might say, well, listen, that's, that's not really what you're up against right now. You got this going on right now, and this is how you deal with it. So it first starts off, your first key to resistance is first a submission to God. It's got to be. You first and foremost have to go to Him and hear from heaven. Now, you got awful quiet in this Holy Ghost house tonight. I know it just got super quiet in here. Somebody said, well, that's why we pay you the big bucks, Pastor. You're supposed to get all the answers. If I could, I would. But I can't get all your answers. It's your job to receive, and it's your job to resist. And if you don't resist your enemy... He don't flee. And if he don't flee, that's trouble, Bubba. That means he sneaks in, and now that life that you're called to, you don't even get to experience now because the thief comes in because that's his job. That's his mission. That's his purpose is to take, take, take. And if you're too busy, you know, thinking I ain't got time for that or I don't, I don't have a clue or you're all mad at everybody else, you're mad at God, how come God won't and why, why won't the preacher this and, and how come the church won't this and, and, and what about my neighbor and, and, and you know, and that spouse of mine and we, we just start blaming everything under the sun and the whole time the enemy snuck in there just kind of in the shadows back there taking this and taking that and, and taking this and taking that and the whole time God was trying to show you, God was trying to reveal it to you. God was trying to tell you, hey, shut the back window. 
I'm appreciating you're not letting him in the front door, but he's coming in the back one. And this is where he's getting in. I mean, sometimes, you know, I think, you know, we bound the devil, we kicked him out of the house, and he just, you know, you slam the door in his face. You think, yeah. And he just. And before he even got back to the kitchen, there he is. He said, the preacher said, resist him. I did. How do you get back in? That's why you submit first. You got to say, hey, the window's open. You say, hey, you're letting him in this way. Hey, uh, shut thy mouth. It'll help you. Right? Right? We always think, well, what, God, tell, tell, tell her that or tell him that. God says, I'm telling you this. You want to get the devil out? You want to shut him down? Shut your mouth. Don't say what you're saying. Somebody says, well, Pastor, no, 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 no. It could be, could be all kinds. It, it could be offense. You could be offended. I know it's nobody in here, but. But some of them people out there get offended at the littlest stuff. But we, we think we have a right to be offended. No, you don't, because all you do is open the door and let the devil in. And he's saying, listen, knock off the offense. You don't need it. It ain't worth it. Okay, that one didn't go over real big. It could be, it could be all kinds of things. Huh? It could just be you want to argue all the time. You want to strive. And, you and the Spirit of God just says, it ain't worth it. Leave it. Let it go. You think, well, Pastor, why do you keep telling us? Because you're sitting over here trying to resist the enemy somehow, and he just keeps coming back. You know, it just he just stays there. He doesn't, it's like, it's like you, you kick him out and he he acts like he's going down the hallway out the door. He just kind of slides into the master bedroom, hides in the closet for a few minutes. Come on, get your own picture, but you see what I'm saying. And then, you know, when it all calms down a little bit and you think you've done good, he just comes back out again. Starts taking again. And pretty soon you're seduced thinking that's just the way life is. Well, you know, I, been, I did it and, and God didn't take him out. So I guess it must be meant that, listen, if you don't contend for the Zoe life, you don't contend for the abundant life, he'll seduce you to accept the lower life. He'll do it. And pretty soon you ain't living any different than the guy down the street who don't, he's as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Come on, somebody. And you ain't got no better life than he's got. And that is not the way it's designed to work. You ought to have a life that they all look at and they go, the word even says you ought to be envied. The world ought to look at you and go, well, uh, well how come you got all that? Well, how come, how come it always works for you? Uh, how come, how come all this is happening for you? You should be able to say, praise the Lord, let me tell you. Because it's, it's, it's to everybody that wants it. All you got to do is just make him Lord. Step on into this life, praise God, let me show you how you can get. I tell you, winning souls would be super easy if all the church was living an abundant life. That was weak. If the church was living an abundant life and the enemy was shut down in their lives, come on, somebody, they'd be breaking down the doors to get into the house of God. 
But most of the time, they're looking at every, uh, you know, at most of Christians' life, they think, you ain't got no better life than I got. Why would I want what you got? Somebody said, well, that's depressing. Absolutely. Right? But we get seduced into thinking that's our life. And it isn't your life. The enemy is a stealer. He's a thief. He's a deceiver. He's a manipulator. He's an accuser. He will come and take and take and take and take if you let him. You got to resist. But it starts, amen, with accessing God or drawing near to God or submitting to God, however you want to word that. But that's what it brings out. It starts with drawing near. It starts with your submission to God. Amen. That is first and foremost. Did you write that down first and foremost? Some of you ain't writing nothing down. You say, now what was that again? It starts, huh? It starts with going to God. Spend some time with God. All right? Secondly, we're going to go to... Uh, Kelly, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, in this text, we used a couple verses out of this text. Um, I think it was last week and uh, in talking about resistance. In fact, I'll tell you what, Kelly, jump down to verse, um, verse 8. Remember it said this, be sober. Remember we read this last week, right? Be sober, be vigilant, right? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring, not to say he is, but he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That doesn't mean he has to. He's, we don't have to let him. You should just, I wrote by mine, he may not hear. All right, he may not hear. Okay, he goes about like a roaring lion. Doesn't say he is one, he just makes a lot of, lot of noise. And according to Proverbs, uh, our adversary has had his teeth knocked out. So he's a gumless wannabe, making a lot of noise, trying to deceive you into thinking he's got the upper hand on you. That's why Jesus said he has no more authority. He doesn't even have the power of death anymore, according to Hebrews. The Word even says that, you, that now you've been delivered, literally, listen, this is what Colossians 1 says, you've been delivered from the power of darkness. Darkness is still out there. Nobody's denying the fact that there's all kinds of mess out there. But you've been delivered through Jesus from the power of that. It cannot hold sway on you. Even though it's sway in the world, it doesn't have to sway you. Everybody with me? Who's good? Who's bad? Who's bad? Who's good? Who's good? Who's bad? Have we got it settled? I mean, you just got to settle it. Because if you're wasting all your time blaming God for something the devil's doing, that's a bummer. I said, that's a bummer. I said, that's a real bummer. Right? So he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, the enemy, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood uh, in the whole world. I mean, all around. Everybody's got pressure. Everybody's got the enemy trying to steal. So don't think it's some strange thing. But you have to do your resisting. So let's back up and let's look at something else in this whole text. All right? Back to verse 6. All right? Therefore, humble yourself. Now, in fact, James, I didn't read that out of James 4 there. I should have probably backed up and read some of that. But if you humble yourself, or it literally just means to submit yourself to Him. 
The word humble or humility means to lower oneself. And that doesn't mean like uh, debasement or kind of that kind of thing where you're, uh, you know, you're, you're making yourself like some worm or nothing because that's not, that's not accurate, all right, because you're a child of God, all right. But you do humble yourself. You do learn how to submit yourself to God. And it says here, literally, under the mighty hand of God. Why do you do that? Well, then he can lift you up. He can exalt you in due time. He'll lift you up. But you've got to submit yourself to him. Now, here, there's a reason I read this. Verse 7. Casting some of your care upon him. I'm sorry, what? I was, oh, wrong translation. Uh, casting, you know, the convenient cares upon him casting you know those things that just annoy you a little bit what's it say all your care now you say well pastor why is this so important because in resistance this might almost be like number two man this might like be right up there next to moving into god because you better start getting your head right because we don't watch it pretty soon, the mental pressure, that care refers to mental torment, mental pressure, mental attack. Because here comes the, the attack. And you could be over here trying to resist your enemy, but the whole time you're still letting him dominate. He still has the upper hand because he still has you up here. That's why the next verse says, be sober. Oh, wait a minute, I don't drink. Well, the word sober actually means the same thing. It just means not under the influence of another. Not under the influence. So be sober. In other words, have your head right. Some translations use the word sober-minded, okay? Because it refers to you got to get your head right, right? And then be vigilant means to be watchful. So keep your head right and be watchful because the enemy's trying to come and take, trying to devour you. Now back up again to verse 7, please. Thank you, Kelly. Are you all doing okay or am I boring you? I was weak. Am I boring you? All right. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And then it says be sober. Well, why is that? Because if you're letting your head, if the enemy still has a hold of you right here, then you're letting it influence you. That even though you're trying to resist somehow, you're still being dictated by the fear of this, the anxiety of that, the worry of this, the mental pressure has got you. And you're under the influence of that demonic pressure. And if you're under the influence of demonic pressure trying to resist him, it probably ain't going to work. So I would say to me, this is just, okay, you can you, you put this down further down the list if you want, but to me, that's right up on the top. We're talking about keys of resistance. I mean, not only, not only are you going to submit yourself to God, but you're going you're to start right there saying, you know what? I refuse to worry about this. I refuse to have anxiety about this. I refuse to let that thing dictate to me. I refuse to let it control me. I take a stand right now, and I resist you, enemy. Right? right. But see, if he's controlling you, then you're going to sit here and try to resist something the whole time. You're thinking he's already whipping you. He's already beating you. He's already got you. Sometimes we're going along and we're saying we're, we're already thinking the worst. Now, we believe for the best, but we're thinking the worst. 
Come on. And so if you're, you're so-called believing the best but thinking the worst, what do you think is going to happen? We're going to have to get a change of thought. So we start casting those anxieties, those cares, those things that are trying to dictate, those pressures that are trying to pull us under. We cast those on God. Now, this is a cool thing about this word cast. It doesn't mean cast it like a fishing line. So you're reeling it back in. And you check it. Still there. Right? Come on. A lot of Christians, that's what we're doing, you know. We're constantly checking our care, making sure, well, it's still there. God hasn't dealt with it yet. No, God says you have to cast it. Now, you know, God will never say, listen, sometimes I'm going to give you back that care. <laughs> he never does that. But if you want it back, he'll say, fine, here. That's your call. Well, I'd rather think on that. I think I can do better with that. Do you think you can do better with your care? Then why do you keep wheeling it back in? Cast it on the Lord and let it go. Amen. Don't, don't have nothing tied to it and reel it back in. Cast that care on him. Amen. Right? You'll, be, you'll find that, that resisting your enemy gets a whole lot easier because now you're no longer under the influence of anything. Listen, it's, it's hard to pray in faith when you're under fear. Because fear is perverted faith. Fear is, right? Isn't it? I mean, your fear is all about believing the worst. So you don't want to be under the influence of anything. So one of the first things you're going to have to do, you know, is cast that care. Cast those cares on the Lord. Amen. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I got this thing going on home with, with my child, or I got this thing going on home with my spouse. I got this thing going on with the business, this thing with the finance. And you're, you're sitting there the whole time. I say, I, I, what do I buy? I'm just going to bind everything. Bind everything. I'll bind you. I'll bind you. I'll bind you. I'll bind you. Well, how'd that work? Well, I kind of felt better for a minute, but that's about all you get out of it. But if you start casting that care no longer, it's no longer dictating you, it's no longer controlling you. And you can kind of start seeing some things clearly. And as God begins to lead, you can say, all right, there he is. Take authority of that thing. Sometimes, guys, if it's an ongoing thing, we brought this out earlier in the year, it's a spirit you're dealing with. Some things maybe ain't a spirit. Some things just, it's just a, a momentary thing that's coming, and you can just deal with it. But some things, man, literally, it's a spirit that's attached to itself. It's demonic. Well, it's all demonic as far as I'm concerned, but... But, but we're talking about an actual spirit gets involved. That's why sometimes Jesus would just deal with it, face it. Sometimes he'd deal with that unclean spirit. He didn't always call it an unclean spirit. didn't always call it by any kind of name. Come on, somebody. Sometimes he'd just say, be whole, be well. Your faith made you well. Your faith made you whole. Amen. But sometimes he'd say, you unclean spirit, get out of here. Right? Okay, too much or are you doing okay? All right, so amen. How are we doing on time? Let's see. All right. How about another one? You want to do another one? Let's do another one. Ephesians 6. How about that? We're talking about, amen, keys of resistance. Now, how many know if you're going to get in a, into a fight, <laughs> you know, you, you probably better put your armor on. Right? Yes. Saying, what? 
I don't like that stuff. It makes me itch. Or I don't like that stuff because it's, it's too heavy. Well, you know, yeah, but it's, you know, it's part of your resistance. If you, if you got your armor on, amen, it's, you know, it's there for a reason, amen. Now, I'm not going to go through every piece, but we're going we're gonna to kind of, uh, you know, kind of focus in on one major thing because, you know, it says put on the whole armor. Everybody say the whole armor. Amen. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So if you have the whole armor on, that means you can stand against it. So it's another form of resistance, right? So the armor, the Word talks about the belt of truth, talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All of these have purpose, right? We've done full, full messages even on every one of these pieces before. Amen. We have the, uh, we have the shield of faith. It says it quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the helmet of salvation, right? Come on, right? But then it says you have a weapon. Now, if you're going to resist, don't just stand there and get a lot, you know, get shot at all day long. Now, it's good to have your armor on and your shield up. That's all good. And you're, you're you know, you're catching most everything, right? But once in a while, you got to get your licks in. Once in a while, you got to whoop on this sucker and resist him, take him out. Right? I mean, you know, even in a boxing match, they teach you, you have to throw some swings once in a while. You can't just dance around and hope he keeps missing. Right? If you want to take him out, you got to actually hit him once in a while. No brainer. Well, you have a sword, and it says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You're going to actually have to take your word and use it. Now, um, Isaiah 49, Revelations 1, Revelations 19, we see where Jesus comes in on a white charger, praise God, and the Word says He's got this two-edged sword going in and out of His mouth. Now, do you think Jesus is going to really have a metal sword going in and out of his mouth? I mean, that'd be kind of weird, right? So do you think it's actually a metal sword? I don't, I believe it's because later, you know, he calls him, he says, and his name shall be called the Word of God. See, I believe it's, it's all referring to that two-edged sword that's going in and out of what? The mouth. It has to come out the mouth. You've got to actually speak the Word. You've got to get your mouth working for you, not against you. If we're going to resist the enemy, you've got to start using this, amen, against your enemy. 1 Timothy 6, put that on the board if you will, verse 12. <clears throat> it says you fight the good fight of faith. Now, the reason it's a good fight because you can win it every time if you do it right. And it says lay hold on eternal life. There it is, that word again. So lay hold on the life you're called to to which you were also called and have confessed what the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, this is how it works. Now, you got born again by a confession. Isn't that cool? Romans 10 brings out you, got, you even got born again. The greatest miracle that could ever happen to a human being is by making Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. And how do they do that? The Word said they believed in their heart and they confessed with their mouth. And you think that was nothing to that. And yet it was enough 
to save somebody from the pits of hell and aim them toward heaven, praise God. Amen. And yet we go along, we get, we get born again that way, and then we just kind of shut her down from there all think, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, 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 no. That ain't how this works. You got to contend for that life. You got to lay hold of that life. Amen. And the way you do that, the way you fight this fight, the way you war against your enemy, or at least one of those keys, is you got to get your mouth working for you. Are you with me? Confession. The word confession. Um, you know, for those that have been here much, you know of, this is something we talk about quite often. The word confession is made up of two Greek words, homos logia, okay, which means same word, okay? When you look up this word confession in a concordance, it's going to say this, a covenant acknowledgement, okay, which means you speak your covenant, you talk the same word, Jesus was a great example of that, wasn't he? The tempter woos him out. You know, Jesus knew, amen, come out there, and he's being tempted. You know, even God at his weakest physically. The enemy comes at him to contend with him by tempting him with things. And what Jesus go, stop it, devil, stop it, stop it, no, stop it. Oh, my God, say, leave me alone. God, God, get him off me. Somebody say he did not. That would be just, wouldn't that be miserable? What a show that would be. You're thinking, oh, he's a sissy. How many know that ain't what happened? Jesus ain't no sissy. So what did he do? It is, he didn't even do anything else. He didn't like, He said, it is written. Then he said, okay, I'll try on this side. He come at him this way. It is written. Come at him this way. I'll, I'll get him here. It is written. And the word said the enemy, he had to leave looking for a, another opportunity. How I many know he never got another opportunity until Jesus was ready to lay down his life because the evil one couldn't touch him. It is written. You are never going to resist your enemy unless you get your mouth involved saying the right words. Somebody said, well, I just don't know what to say. You know, nowadays we have so many study helps. I mean, you can actually on your phone, pull up verses on your phone. Give me resistance verses. Verses on healing. Verses, you know, on, on, on breakthrough. And you're like, I mean, you could be driving down the road. Now, don't tell me I told you you can do this. But you're driving down the road on your phone going, I need to resist the enemy on this. Ah, the Word of God says, hey, devil, it is written. Whatever promises you're standing on, that's what you speak. But you're going to have to get your mouth involved. You've got to get your mouth involved. You've got to start speaking the word of God and not the issue, not the problem. Come on. Listen, the word says, speak unto the mountain to be thou removed, to be thou cast into the sea. And it says it will obey you. But most of the time, we're not doing that. We're going around and everybody saying, hey, have you seen my mountain? Look at my mountain. Let me show you how we go around the mountain and we come back again. 
right? Everybody gives guided mountain tours. It's like, wait a minute, that's not what it said to do. Well, I just don't understand why God gave me this mountain. This is my mountain to bear. God says, no, you have to speak to the mountain to be gone. But you keep inviting it. You keep bragging about it. You're sowing grass seed on it to make it look pretty. Now, listen, we're laughing, but I'm telling you, it's about how disgusting it gets. And the whole time, the Spirit of God says, you ain't resisting. you got to resist. Don't accept it. Resist it. Pretty soon you're convinced, well, you know, everybody else has this. I might as well have this. Well, that ain't how it works. If you're a child of God, you got the life of God, you got the greater one on the inside, you're a world overcomer, you're more than a conqueror, praise God. I mean, you got all the tools, you got the word of God, the spirit of God, you got the armor of God, you got the sword of the spirit, praise ye the Lord. I mean, you got something, praise God, in your corner. Why are we letting the enemy win? Let's do one more, and we're going to do communion today. All right. Revelations, chapter 12. That's the one we're going to close with today. I got a bunch more, but this is where we're going to stop. Revelations. Doing okay? Now, the reason I want to do this one is because I want to, I want to incorporate our com- communion with this. And uh, uh, because... Um, This is also another way to resist. Are you hearing me? Well, I thought communion was just, you know, you know, you just got to, you know, take a little bread and a little bit of juice and and go, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, amen. Well, that was nice. Well, we did it because the Word says to do it, so we do it. Well, there's probably a reason why we do it. Right? Okay, so um, it says we overcome the enemy. By what? By the blood of the Lamb by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Talking about you and me here. So we overcome. So in context, talking about the believers. So they, talking about you and me, this is how we overcome. We overcome the enemy, because in context, talking about the enemy. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. So based on, first and foremost, based on what Christ has already done. Was there not bloodshed? Amen. So somehow, does that mean you got to go to Jerusalem somehow and find you know, where, where the cross was, and, and we got to scrape up some little bit of dry blood somewhere to somehow... Ma- Is that what he's talking about? No, he's talking about the price that was already paid. You stand against your enemy based on the blood of Christ, based on what happened, amen, at Calvary, praise God. Blood was shed for you and me. Amen. So it, we overcome the enemy based on what Christ has done, and then it says... By the word of their testimony. What's that mean? I mean, it just means given testimony or given witness of what's going on right now. In other words, when you're talking, I mean, maybe some of the things you ought to be saying is, you know, you know God's delivered me. God has set me free. You know, this morning I even, I had a physical deal that hit me, and I, I just, I got to go get a loan. I got to get this, I got to take, and I, you do, you get away, you get a loan, you get healed, praise God, you get well, hallelujah. Testify about God heals. God delivers. God sets the captive free. So what does that mean then? Well, we overcome the enemy by what Christ has done and by what Christ is doing. 
Sometimes you just remind the devil, devil, you came too late to tell me. This is how it works. Jesus has already healed me. He's already delivered me. He's already set me free. I mean, I'm already heaven bound. I'm already a new creation in Christ. Woo! I mean, man, I'm free as they come. Little Leonard Skinner, free bird, hallelujah. I mean, whatever. Huh? I'm free in Jesus. Amen. I've never say that. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm free. So a minute, so the enemy's coming at you and he's thinking, I got you. He said, no, I'm free. You ain't got me because I'm already free. And you're a liar, devil. <laughs> you're a liar. So we overcome the enemy by what Christ has done, by what Christ is doing, and they did not love their lives to the death. Well, what the heck does that mean? That means you're in it to win it. That means you have to settle it. I'm in it to win it. I'm in this thing for the long haul, which means, I, amen, I overcome the enemy based on what Christ has done, based on what he is doing, and based on whatever he's going to do tomorrow for me, praise God. Why? Because I'm in this thing to the end. Is anybody with me today? So you got to settle it, praise God. So when the enemy's trying to oppose you, in fact, one brother said it this way, when the enemy comes at you and says this, just tell him, listen, book, listen, dude, I, I've read the end of the book, and it says this, we win. So I already know what's even going to happen in the end. And someday you're going to get locked up. And we're going to be dancing. Huh? With keys, right? Ching, 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 ching. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right, all right. I got to get you out of here, all right? I think so, anyway. Hallelujah. First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, last one, 1 Corinthians. Hallelujah. Let me get my uh, ushers. Uh, uh, Jacob, can you get the ushers up here? Steve, where are you at? Right there he is. Okay, come on up. Let's go ahead and start passing this out. Amen, if you don't mind. Praise the Lord. And let me read a text to you. Praise God. Amen. So when we're, uh, you know, taking communion, uh, what we're doing is, off, the Word says, as often as you do this, you're doing this in remembrance of, of Him, right? Well, what do you mean by remembrance of Him? Remembering what? Well, remembering what he's done. Amen. So, hallelujah. Let's read this. This is out of chapter uh, 11 of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to start in verse 23. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Go ahead and go ahead and hand them out, guys. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim something. You proclaim the Lord's death. In other words, you proclaim the price paid. And it says you proclaim it till he comes again. Amen. So what we're doing, every time we, we partake of the elements, a lot of times referred to as communion, uh, the body, of course, the bread referring to the body. How many remember that, right? Now, how many know a body was, was bruised, a body was striped? The word says, by his stripes you were healed because based on what the body, amen, took. Are you with me? That's why it's a, a unleavened or leavened. Did I say it right? Unleavened. That's right, unleavened. Hallelujah. It's unleavened bread. 
So, uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of, a lot of truth around that. Uh, so, but today I just want to bring out the fact that the bread refers to the body, amen. The, the, the drink refers to the blood, right? And every time you take this, you're proclaiming the price paid. You're proclaiming, amen, what he's done. You're receiving what he's done for you, amen. So a body, amen, I've been made well and whole because of the punishment he took on my behalf. I drink the blood, which refers to the blood of the new covenant, praise God, which is a better covenant, the word says, a better covenant established on better promises, a new covenant, amen, and remission of sins. Right? And you think, well, Lord, what, I mean, we're just talking about a little bit of juice and a little bit of, you know, bread thing. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, what can that do? And, and that's the problem. They got people that just, you know, pop this and drink this and go on and just think, don't even realize that the whole time it's paid a price. This is all you're doing is proclaiming it as often as you do it. Everybody say as often. As often as you do it. Now, I do communion at least once a week, and probably most weeks I'm doing it twice, Okay. We have communion elements back there that you don't have to wait for a service to take communion, at least in this church. I've had many healings in my body, literally, just by walking to the back room back there and I partake of communion and establish the fact that he paid a price for me. And I'll walk back out of that room whole because of what, amen, the elements represent. Are you still with me? There's no healing element, there's nothing healing in this in itself, but it represents something. Amen. So every time I partake of it, I'm receiving again the price that was paid for what he has done, for what he's doing, and for what he's about to do. Praise God. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. amen. So that's why we, we do what we do. This is kind of little funky things here, ain't they? So can you, can you get them open or something? Yeah, you know, you got to kind of, I got it here, but it's kind of, you know, they're kind of wild, but, uh, you know, but you just, you know, and nowadays it's just kind of funky and, and it works, right? So you get your little, little, uh, you know, thing here and, uh, you know, pull that out and get your little drink ready here. You got to pull the next one back. Amen. Praise the Lord. So now as often as we do this, we do this in remembrance, in remembrance, in remembrance, in remembrance. So I'm doing this. What am I doing? I'm setting my mind on what he's done for me. I'm setting my mind on what he's doing for me. Right now, I'm receiving not only what he has done, I'm receiving what he is doing. I'm receiving even right now by faith for what he will do. I'm settling it right now. I'm in remembrance of him. Amen. Are you with me on that? So as often as we eat the bread, amen, partake of the body, go ahead, we do it in remembrance of Him. There's been a price. Now, if you're in here right now and you're dealing with something maybe physical or something uh, mental or emotional, you're dealing with maybe something that, you know, just ongoing uh, attack, uh, some kind of mental or physical attack, just settle right now. He paid a price for that. I don't have to, I don't have to receive that. I don't have to accept that. Amen. I resist my enemy right now. Jesus paid a price for that. There were, amen. There was a price paid for that. Amen. Hallelujah. And I received that. Amen. As often as we drink this drink, amen, the blood of the new covenant, praise God. Hallelujah. Remission of sins. Amen. As often as we do it, we do this in remembrance. 
in remembrance of him, in remembrance of what he's done. Amen. Let's go ahead and partake. All right. Now, if you're in here today and you're struggling with your past, settle it. You don't have to struggle with your past anymore. I say you don't in remembrance of him. Your sins have been forgiven. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Stop warring with your past. You are not your history. You are not your past. You are not your mistake. You are not your addiction. You are not your history. A price was paid for you. See, that's a lot of areas right there where the enemy tries to, he tries to get you right up here, and then you're trying to resist, and the whole time you're convinced that that's who you are. I'm that, per, I'm, I'm, I'm that person. He said, no, 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 you're not that person. The blood of the new covenant has made a way, amen, the remission of sins. Come on, somebody. You are not held by your past anymore. I mean, that'd be the, the two thumbs up emoji. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness of sin. Amen. See, when you're partaking, see, it's a form of resistance. Amen. I'm, I overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives even unto death. Amen. I'm, given, I'm overcoming him based on what Christ has already done for me, based on what he is doing for me, and based on what he will continue to do for me. Praise God. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. I appreciate at least letting me get that far with this today. Hallelujah. So guess what we're going to talk about next week? A little bit more of this. Hallelujah. So... Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All kinds of resistance, all kinds of ways to resist. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I just give you praise and glory once again. I'm so grateful for this people today that came with an ear to hear and a heart to receive. Father, I'm thankful today that you opened the eyes of our understanding even, giving us some insight, some understanding, maybe allowing us to see something even for the first time maybe. Lord, just, just driving out ignorance and driving out all that confusion, praise God, and opening the door, praise God, for you to come in and just show us and reveal things to us. Hallelujah. Bring things and make things clear for us, praise God. For that we give you praise. Lord, we're thankful, hallelujah, that we can stand our ground and resist our enemy. That, Lord, as we submit ourselves to you and as you lead us and direct us, praise God, we can walk in forms of resistance that keeps the enemy off our back, praise God, and out of our business. And, Father, we give you the praise and the glory for it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And can I hear a big amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.